Well, good morning again. Welcome everyone here on Holy Trinity Sunday. Uh, this is the one day of the year when we have our feast day about an idea or a concept about the nature of God. Uh, most of our special days are things that Jesus does. Jesus dies, Jesus is raised, Jesus is transfigured. Uh, this one is the nature of God, who God is, what is God like? And the sermons can get real heady and real abstract as we try to navigate how God can be three and one, uh, because of course we grew up with math and math says three isn't one. Uh, those, that doesn't work out. But in many ways that's missing the point because the it's not so much about trying to make three equal one as it is a phrase I learned a while back. And I'm gonna throw the phrase on the screen for you. The whole is greater than the sum of the parts. Let's just to say that again. The whole is greater than the sum of the parts. And yeah, I get it. That can be a little bit heady too, uh, if you're remembering your math. But it's a way of saying that what we are when we are together is more than when we are apart or even if you add three separate individuals of us right next to each other. We are greater, what comes together in the three is greater than just one plus one plus one. Let me give you some, an analogy. The one that best explains it that I found is music. You have three singers, they can all sing well, but when you put them together, and they're in harmony, they're not just each doing their own thing at the same time, but they're in harmony, you get a sound that's bigger and it's way more interesting than just one person could produce. That's harmony. The sum is great, the whole is greater than the sum of the parts. It's, it, and it's way more interesting than three soloists blaring out at the same time. Uh, together the sound is rich and it's deep. And it's beautiful. Or let me use a band analogy. Uh, pick a band, one that you like. Uh, the, re the really good ones, they work together so well that everyone has a part. So they just sort of feel it. If you don't believe me, uh, watch a good jazz performance. They just kind of feel their way through it. Or go back and watch the old Woodstock videos. I know my kids think I was there. No, I was not there. That was before my time. But I picked those out because you don't have all the production value that you see in, in nowadays. Uh, there's no lasers. There's no fog machine. There's no line of dancers in the back. There's no giant LCD screens all over. The instruments are all analog. Their hall is a farmer's field. It's really low tech. But watch what they do out there in this farmer's field. The one I like to watch, the one I go back to is the Jefferson Airplane. Uh, they got picked morning of the second day. They got the morning. And the crowd's been there all day already and all night. And it doesn't look like anyone's had any sleep, including the band. And they're all, they all get up there, they've got circles under their eyes, they're all looking like they're stoned, which is probably the case that they actually were. And, and they get out, and they get out there and they start playing. 
looking all shaggy, sleep deprived, circles under their eyes, tripping out from their various mycological pharmaceuticals, and they nail it. Every note is on, every person hits every part perfectly, they even break out, they start jamming, they start improvising. Everybody's perfectly on. It's like they have this, we use the corporate word, synergy. You could tell they played together so much that it had started to become second nature. And yeah, some were more out front, and some were in the back, and some had solos. They alternated back and forth a lot. No one seemed to be fighting for a spot in the spotlight. And that's what a good band does. It's harmony. And when it happens, it's awesome. And what they create, the three or five or eight of them, the sound is so much bigger and better than if it was just one individual all playing by themselves. But to get there, to get to that point, you have to have a lot of time invested and each person has to do a lot of sharing and compromising and giving up the spotlight for the group. Each person is important. No one is an island. Together they end up making a lot more than they would just alone. That's what the phrase is saying. The whole is greater than the sum of the parts. And this is how we understand the nature of God. It's not as one thing with three sections. It's often how it gets drawn. It's three things, each separate, each an individual, each working with the other two to create a beautiful harmony. Our God is three persons, each unique, each different, each an individual, but each working with the others in a perfect harmony that makes them not just one, but something greater. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Not three gods, but one God in three persons. Three persons that make more than just one big one. Because together, there is beauty and strength Together we make more than we do apart. But to have that togetherness, it does involve some giving up of what I, the individual, might want. To be a part of a group like that, I have to change what I sing and adjust to them. I have to pull back sometimes so the others can be stronger. I have to sometimes give up what I want for the greater good. To have that kind of group, I have to think of the whole, not just myself. It's incredible to be a part of something like that, but it also means you often have to check your ego at the door. And this is where the struggle is, trying to make harmony out of different people. Yeah, God can do it, but to be perfect to begin with makes it easy, right? Or maybe you would say, it's because God the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit are perfect that that is how God is. Think about that. It's because the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit do that harmony 
that that's what makes them perfect. But I'm struck when I think of God as three in one, how all the voices have to be heard, they all have to be included, they all have to have a place, they all have to be listened to, they all have to have a value, they all have a unique role and a different role, and their voice is included, and the others willingly give up what they want to make sure that the other voices are heard. This is the image of God, the essence of God, the nature of God. This is who God is, three persons living together, dependent and open and vulnerable and sacrificing and giving up for others. And it makes God stronger to be together, just like it makes us stronger to be together. It is not weakness to be open and vulnerable and dependent and sacrificing for others. It's strength. I, I don't know who exactly decided that the definition of strength was a lone, solitary individual who needed no one, who relied on no one, who depended on no one, who did whatever he wanted with no consideration of what anybody else cares about. I, I don't know who came up with that. That isn't God's definition. I can't help, as I get through all this thinking about being together and needing to be, and needing to make sacrifices for the whole and not think of this crazy time we live in. You know, we have a plague on the loose with no treatment and no prevention, no cure and no vaccine. The only way to stop it is for everyone to sacrifice their own personal preferences and conveniences and choices so that the weak and the sick and the vulnerable don't die. We have to give up what we like and what we want so old people in nursing homes and people with diabetes and asthma don't get killed. We have to give so others can live because we are all dependent on one another. That sounds so Jesus-like, doesn't it? giving of ourselves so others can live, sacrificing for others to save them. I mean, that's the cross, right? It's the center of our faith, the essence of who we are. We Christians are not a collection of rugged individuals doing whatever we want. We're a whole that gives ourselves willingly for the greater good like Jesus did, right? And on top of a plague, of course, as I'm writing this, events change with by the day. So on top of the plague, we have cities on fire. And we have a lot of people who have not been listened to about the problems with all these killings and the killers getting off 99% of the time. And they're tired of being told to sit down and shut up and play nice and be quiet. 
They're tired of being told that the problem isn't the brutality and the killings and the impunity of the uh, impunity of the system that keeps setting the killers free, but they're told that the problem is that the, their anger at it is too loud and inappropriately voiced. We are a country that is not at harmony because we have a lot of voices that have not been listened to and included in this song. We don't have the godly harmony of the Trinity. Maybe that's why it's a godly thing. Because to have that kind of perfect harmony is something that takes a lack of ego so impressive that only God could do it. That's part of what makes God so strong, is his ability to give up and be vulnerable in his nature. I know it takes a lot more strength to be open and vulnerable and to listen and to include than to just yell, I'm doing whatever I want, screw you. I saw online this story uh, this young woman had posted. She was apparently looking for feedback. And the gist of the story was that she had had this boyfriend and the relationship had ended. And she felt bad about that, somewhat. He apparently is this very buff, physically strong guy. And she described him as being a macho man who was dominant, she used that word. And that's what she liked. I, she said, I thought, I thought when I got together with him that he was this strong, dominant guy. But then, after being with this guy for several months, Mr. Strong Dominant Guy sits down with this girl that he loves. And he tells her that when he was 11, he was molested repeatedly. And he breaks down in tears, absolute tears. And her response? She dumped him. And she said, she thought, she's like, I thought I had this strong, dominant kind of guy. Now he's all weak and damaged. So I, I dumped him. Does that make me a bad person? Well, the verdict on the internet was, yes, you are a very, very bad person. You are a terrible, horrible person. Those weren't the words they used. They used much more colorful language. But this guy, this guy did what took more strength than anything involving a weight. To admit to being a victim, to admit to hurting, to admit to suffering, that took massive strength. And he thought that he had one of those relationships of mutual listening and that, and that and he loved her, and, and she, he was certain she loved him, and then she dumped him because she didn't see that as being strong enough. But nothing in the world could take more strength on his part. She's the one who's weak.
because she doesn't want to listen and can't handle the discomfort of listening to this. He wasn't asking her to be a therapist, just to sit there and hold his hand and just listen and let him open up on the pain of a story that he hadn't opened up to anyone. It is a sign of weakness not to listen, to not give, to not share, to not be open. It is a sign of weakness to insist on doing everything your way. It takes strength, godly strength, to put away the ego and bring others in on the song, to make the godly harmony that we see in the nature of God in the Holy Trinity and in the nature that God wants for us in our lives with Him and in our lives with each other. Amen.